David, thanks so much for doing the call with me today. Sure. Thanks for having me. Why did you start making labyrinths? Well, that's almost 25 years ago now. A group of ladies in my the church I was attending in Baltimore, Maryland, asked me to help them with their project. Their motivation was they thought I was an engineer, and they were trying to recreate the labyrinth from Chartres Cathedral, which is very complex. But it happened that I knew the labyrinth, and I was able to help them because I am mathematically inclined anyway, but I'm not an engineer. I, I guess I just must have given that impression. That's how I got started. You said 25 years, right? So why have you kept going? Why has this gotten in under your skin, so to speak? It really got under my skin. Well, let, let's back up. We did the first one. It was painted on canvas. In fact, my wife helped paint it. And then after that, the, the church sponsored her to become an ordained Episcopal priest. So she went to seminary after that. But they would, we would lend that canvas labyrinth out to other churches because this is 1995. This is very early days for this business and this movement in the U.S. And the other churches would say, oh, great. This is wonderful. We love it. We got a, had a great experience. How do we get one? And then, you know, I would help them lay out a labyrinth in exchange for dinner for two at a nice restaurant, that kind of thing. And then it just became overwhelming by word of mouth. By the time my wife actually entered seminary, I was getting six calls a week by word of mouth from across the United States. What are people getting out of this? How and why do people use labyrinths? I'll give you the pop psychology version first. <laughs> and it's, it, it's the old left brain, right brain thing, which is nonsense, but it, it's, it's a good place that people can start and understand. Left brain is your logical, sequential, ABC, one, two, three, do your to-do list first part of your brain. Your right brain is your creative, intuitive, spiritual, free association side. Uh, I have a friend who calls a labyrinth a left brain jamming device. And the reason is that it's a very complex design visually. And your left brain gets involved in trying to solve a puzzle that doesn't exist. Because there is no puzzle. A labyrinth is a single path. There is no, There are no branches where you have to make choices. You just follow a complex winding path. And you get to the center naturally. So your left brain's off doing this. Your right brain is basically free of the one, two, three, A, B, C, do this now brain and is free associating and exploring whatever it is you went into the labyrinth to explore. And that can be, you know, you wanted a creativity boost. You wanted some spiritual enlightenment, you had a psychological issue you were dealing with, you had a relationship issue you're dealing with, and you take that in and you just sort of work on it. A labyrinth isn't the only way you do this. The Buddhists have a tradition of walking in nature. It's similar. You know, you're walking a path that you know, and yet you're in, you're, you're allowed to free associate. So that's the pop psychology version of it. That's the pop psychology version, but there is some truth to that, is there not? Oh, it's absolutely, yeah. Yeah. There's also this idea of, in meditation, you are reducing the cognitive load on the brain. 
Right. You're giving the brain a different kind of puzzle, which is to just sit still and be quiet. I think it's a superior form of meditation for Westerners in particular because of the psychological effect of walking a pattern occupies the part of your brain that refuses to turn off in Western society. 6,000 labyrinths you've made. How often have you been called upon to create one from scratch, or are a lot of these designs or most of them based on historical references? The starting point for me is the Chartres Cathedral design, and its importance in medieval thought is unknown, which is one of the wonderful mysteries. So yes, we, the starting point is the Chartres design, reproducing the Chartres design, but that doesn't answer everybody's problems. There's basically two styles of labyrinths. There's the Chartres, and then there's the much older labyrinth, which various people call the Cretan or the classical. We call it the classical. And it's a much simpler design, and we know how it was transmitted culturally because it can be drawn from a very simple starting pattern. We know that exists because a palace burned down, and on the back of one of the clay tablets recording a transaction about goats is a labyrinth doodle. <laughs> and you can actually see this, what's called the seed pattern, which is how you transmit this design to the next guy. You say, yeah, see, you start with this cross, and then you do this, and we connect these, and that makes this design. And it's in every culture. It's in the American Southwest, it's in China, it's in India, it's South Africa, the same design all over the place. So that's the classical. And then when, it, when the design, when the labyrinth was taken over by the Christian church, they started making it a little more formal looking, much more rigorous. And that ultimately, the ultimate expression of that is the Chartres Cathedral design, which still exists. It's from 1200. It's still in the floor in limestone and marble. And it's a wondrous thing. And people encounter it and walk it very naturally without even having to be instructed. What is the most creative part of your work? Or when do you feel most challenged by it? What I get my kicks out of is problem solving. That's, that is my role in, in this little world. So someone will, I'll give you a for instance, someone will come to me and they really love the Chartres Labyrinth, but they have too little space to fit it in, or their budget simply won't work, or they're trying to build with materials that, the Chartres is a very detailed design, if you're using crude materials, there's no reason to even try. Ultimately, all of Chartres is Mary symbolism, meaning the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. So you've got the Chartres rose, which is the rosette, which is the medieval symbol of the Virgin Mary. You've got lunations around the outside, which is a reference to Mary as the moon. Jesus is the sun. So very heavy Catholic symbolism. And there are very specific ratios about how big the center is, how big the path is to the line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because it's very precise. And it has all sorts of it has all sorts of symbolism built into it. And if you just sort of throw rocks around, it's, it doesn't work. So you need to simplify what you're doing. But you want the spirit of the charter. And that's my that's my role. That's where the creativity comes in.
how do I bridge that gap? You've got not enough space, the wrong materials, and too little budget. What can we do that will get you something that you'll be proud of and that you will use? That's the creativity right there. If you had to look back on one, at one that you've made that you're really proud of, which one would that be? Oh, man. Yeah. You're trying to like it's what's yeah. your favorite kid, Wait. you know, and it's terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is your favorite child? Yeah. <laughs> terrible question. It's a really tough one. It really is. In some ways, some of the simplest ones are the most moving. Pretty early, about, I think it's 12 or 13 years ago, we did a labyrinth in South Florida. Uh, this is at an Episcopal retreat center. They were building a new chapel, and the donors of the chapel said, we want something special in the floor. And they wanted a Chartres labyrinth. And we created a Chartres labyrinth using polished granite floor tiles, which meant we had to figure out how to fabricate. We had to figure out how to get it in into the floor so that it, the problem with polished tile is that you have to have it in an exact plane. In other words, you'll see distortions if in the reflections if you don't get it dead flat. And so we had to pull all that together. We had to find a contractor who was willing to grind the floor down to be dead flat using a laser-guided grinding system. <laughs> I mean, this gets really complex. And, but that thing is unbelievably gorgeous and has been used. I mean, it's used week in and week out by groups of 100 or 200 at the retreat center over and over and over again. On the other hand, I did one on Long Island that's flagstone and grass, but it's, and it's become a modern pilgrimage site. It's, a, it's literally used every morning in the summer by 75 people who use it before they get on the train to go into New York to their jobs. And you have to walk a mile and a half into the park to get to the labyrinth. And yet 75 people do that every day in the summer, which is pretty astounding. It is. Wow. Well, this has been amazing. Thanks so much for doing the call with me today. My pleasure. That's the call for this week. Thanks for listening. I'm Lee Schneider. Feel free to share this around with your friends and listen on Apple Podcasts.